You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I hope wherever you are in the world and whatever you're doing, you're doing very well. You're about to listen to my conversation with Joshua Raiden, who is touring Australia through February of 2018. Let's hear what Joshua had to say. Here we go. Well, I want to congratulate you on a stellar career. You are coming to Australia for a run Thank of shows you. through May. So... You do, and you do have a very unique relationship with Australian fans. It needs to be said. So, what can we expect and look forward to from the shows? Oh, do you think I have a unique uh, relationship with Australian fans? That's so great to hear. Yeah, I do. I do because um, I was talking to Kate Vergil about something similar, of course, and I'll talk a little bit her about her and and some of the work that she's done later. Because you are, you know, we, we get a lot of TV shows over here from the US because a vast majority of shows do come from the US. But I do think that your music through the TV shows has found a place in Australian audiences' hearts. Um, yeah, I guess uh, not just Australian. I think, I mean, that's pretty much how I got my music out there, the mm. TV shows and movies. So that's one of those, you know, things that I was just really lucky to fall into because uh, when I started... You know, for 20 years before that, people were just going to the radio with a single and hoping that the radio would play it. And when TV shows and movies started playing my songs, right when I started writing them, uh, you know, people were seeing those TV shows and films all over the world. So it was like I had this instant global fan base, which was just incredible. Um, mm -hmm. Rather than having to go to the radio station of city to city to city and play each radio station and say, okay, hopefully I'm... Um, having a career in Melbourne, but not in Sydney or this, you know, in Adelaide, yeah. not in Perth, yeah. you know, so it's, it was, uh, it was instantly global and I was very lucky for that. So we mentioned, okay, already, okay, you're famous for a few reasons. Okay. You know, you got your music on, uh, not just on albums, but on the TV shows, but you do have a great voice. You do put on great shows and you do have the ability to write endearing tunes. Thank that you. Many people will know you through, of course, Ellen DeGeneres championing your music. So I read this, I don't know whether this is correct, but I think I'm correct in saying that you even performed at her wedding to Portia de Rossi. Yeah, that is correct. Uh, she's been a huge support of mine, both of them. Um, the first time I played on her TV show, I was sound checking one of my songs, it was called Today, it was on my first album, mm -hmm. and she and Portia were standing there while I was sound checking and crying, and I after our soundtrack, they came up and said, we want to get married to that song. And I was so kind of taken aback and blown away. Uh, and then a couple months later, I got a call and my manager said, yeah, but, uh, Ellen wants you to come and play like six of your songs while she and Portia get married in their house uh, in Los Angeles. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and after I did that, um, Ellen kept having me on her show and um, supporting my music. And yeah, I, I mean, Meeting her was, I'm sure, I mean, changed my life in so many ways. Yeah, fantastic. She's an incredible human. Yeah, wonderful. Well, it's always get good to get the Ellen seal of approval. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it certainly doesn't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, it certainly doesn't hurt. It, it definitely made my career. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, well, good to see you, you acknowledge it in that way, mate, because, um, look, you know, she, she is a, a supporter of a lot of artists and, and uh, entertainers out there, so... I mentioned earlier, mate, that I had a chat to Kate Vergil about balancing acting and music. So your music has actually even appeared on the show that she was on, One Tree Hill. But here's a good question for you, and it's a question that um, I've been wanting to ask you for a while, actually, or someone who's done what you've, you're doing, actually, in terms of 
How do you think your music, why do you think, sorry, your music has been so successful in an area that so many have tried to get airplay, but you just seem to have a wonderful gift for creating music that screen executives just love? Um, I think it's, I think there are a lot of factors when it, when it comes to answering that question, so I'll try to make it short. Um, when I first started uh, 13 years ago, uh, not a lot of artists were allowing their music to be in TV shows and films, or at least they were charging too much money um, for the use of them. And I had just started, and I just said, go ahead, use whatever you want. It's great exposure all over the world, and, and I'm getting signed this way, and I'm, I'm able now to tour all over the world uh, because of it. So I think right off the bat, a lot of the music supervisors uh, who were in charge of picking songs for these TV shows and films said to themselves, well, uh, we can't afford this Paul Simon song, so we're going to go after this Joshua Layden song. And um, and it really helped me out. And now I think it started a trend over the last decade where now you see every, the, the biggest artists in the world, the legends. You hear Rolling Stones, Paul Simon, Bob Dylan, Beatles songs. You hear all of them in movies and TV shows and commercials and things like that. So I guess I was lucky to get on the ground floor of that. Yeah, you're almost the the godfather of it, really, aren't you? In a lot of ways, in that you, you are right. You were the. Well, I, I don't know about <laughs> I don't know about that, but I I, I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, I do, I have had over a hundred songs now of mine in TV shows and films and commercials, so it's afforded me the ability to not only uh, pay for my life, um, but to also be independent. You know, for the last four albums I've released on my own. Um, mm. I don't have any other cooks in the kitchen. I can just, I do everything on my own and I can do it on my own timeline. If I want to go back to Australia to play, it doesn't matter that I don't have a brand new album to tour. I'm just like, I want to go to Australia. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we love that, by the way. Yeah, because we often only see, oh, actually, usually, typically, 99% repeaters end of the time. We only see artists touring because they've got something to promote. So I think it... it it says a lot about your uh, artistic credibility that you're just willing to tour and bring music to the people regardless. Yeah, especially because my live show is rarely about the new album. You know, it's it's really just, I take a lot of requests and obviously when you put out a lot of albums, most of the requests uh, are for older songs. Mm. So I tend to play uh, most of my older songs. I, I want to I give people what they want to hear. And I, 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 you know, I pepper in uh, new songs, of course, but uh, and and that's actually I love when I'm when I'm touring and I'm on stage and someone shouts out for me to play something off a new album, like that's a really good feeling. I bet it is. Yeah, yeah. And you know, your seven albums, numerous singles, and many EPs deep. What's been the most significant challenge that you faced? Um. Uh, there's so many, I don't know. Um, that's a good question. I guess just trying to constantly come up with new material would be the challenge yeah. for any for any artist, you know, not just in music, but for for any any anytime you choose a creative lifestyle, you're always thinking. And I talk to artists all the time, whether they're film directors or painters or novelists. Or, it doesn't matter whether they're musicians or not. Just anyone who does who chooses to create and express themselves for a living um, the challenge 
ultimately, the, the, the biggest challenge ultimately, I would say, would, would be to not run out of material. <laughs> what about your creative muse? Where do you think that comes from? You know, the ability to write songs and be inspired. I think it comes from my interpersonal relationships. For me personally, of course. Mm. Um, I write about what I know. Almost every song I've written has been basically like a letter to either myself or someone that I I didn't know how to say it. And I, I, I put it in a song, so it's just like I got it out. You know what I mean? A lot of times mm-hmm. I didn't even write it and, and send them the song. But it just helped uh, in terms of expression. And and helps bring closure to some of those relationships where there might not have been. Exactly. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. It's therapy for me. It's, it's, it's catharsis, you know. Yeah, no, awesome. And this is, a, this is a question that I've asked a few artists, actually, so I'm really keen to hear your response on this one here, given your success. So when you were starting out all those years ago, did you have a specific vision for how your career would unfold, or did you just want it to un- evolve and unfold? Oh, God. It, did... <laughs> I, had, I had absolutely no idea because I started playing music and I had no idea that I would even be a professional musician. I was just doing it as a meditative thing. Um, huh. So... The, the fact that I signed a record deal, my first album, and the first songs I ever wrote, and got to tour the whole world and meet so many amazing people, it was everything that's happened after that has been just crazy. Okay, yeah. And um, how important is having great musicians surrounding you for your performance, your live performance? So, so, for example, some artists just need a few key ingredients, like the famous Bob Dylan story where he didn't give a shit about who played bass, whereas others go to great lengths to ensure the musicianship and even the musicians are top notch like Bruce Springsteen. So where do you sit in that mix? You know, it's been a constant change for me. I started out with this pressure I put on myself of surrounding myself with these amazing musicians because I wanted them to teach me so much because I just started playing music. So playing with them every night was like going to school. Hmm. Um, and then the more and more I learned and saw what everybody did and, um, working with you know amazing producers over the years. I, I learned so much, but I just started saying, you know, I'm just going to get up on stage. Well, I can't remember you, you were having a very good discourse there about the musicianship side of things and about bringing people on to learn from them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I le- like I said, I learned so much by surrounding myself by amazing players and producers that ultimately when it came to this last album I recorded, The Fall, I, I ended up self-producing it because I felt like I had learned so much and I wanted to incorporate what I had learned in the studio. And uh, the last couple of years I've been going out on tour, uh, whether it's been solo or just with another one other guitar player um, and just really shooting from the hip while I'm on stage and taking requests and not doing set lists and just going up there and being myself Mm. and trying to play what everybody wants wants me to play um you know and i just i really when it comes to the live thing i think what's what separates my show and me as an artist from from a lot of others is that i i don't get up there and try to um be anyone else yeah. uh i i just i just get up there and i and i just Every show is different because who knows what people are going to request. Mm. Um, I don't have any like big hits in my canon, I would say. Um, so it's not like, it's not like, you know, if you're the Rolling Stones or, and you've got so many hits and you're playing live, 
obviously you know everyone's going to want to hear all those hits. I, I don't really have hits like that. So it's more like I think people just come, my fan base just comes, whether I have a new album out or not, they're just coming to see me play. Uh, and, mm. and, uh, and I'm so lucky for that because um, it, it, the rush, the adrenaline rush when I'm on stage has gotten so much better than, than, when, than it did when I was um, earlier in my career because now I, I walk up on stage and I have no idea what the show's going to be. And it's mm-hmm. so fun. You're a part of it. <laughs> Meaning that you're you're yeah. almost at the beck and call of it as much as the audience is in terms of what the performance is going to be like. Exactly, and I, I want to feel like we're in the, we're all in it together when I'm yeah. on stage. I want them to feel like when they walk out of that concert venue, it wasn't just oh we went to go see a Joshua Radin concert. I want them to say like we know who Joshua Radin is now, mm-hmm. not just as a musician but as a person. Okay, look, I'd better make this my last question. It is divided into three parts though. Okay, so my first question in this last question, or first part of the last question is, Josh Radin, can you describe yourself in three words? Wow. Um, Let's see. Uh, Honest. Um, Driven. Actually, let's take away driven and put sensitive, because... because that's, uh, that's that's quite a that's shift. <laughs> um, and uh, then the third one, I guess, let's not go with something that's so uh, uh, positive. Um, I don't want to be too much of a pomp, you know. So let's say uh, <laughs> let's go with uh, judgmental. I would say that's probably my biggest flaw in okay. terms of character traits. Is I work on that all the time to not be so judgmental in terms of. Um, uh, in terms of artists, you know, in terms of anything, you know, personally and musically. Okay. The second question is, if you could go back to when you were 18 and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? I'd say start playing a musical instrument. That's a big one, yeah. Yep. And the final question is, what three guests from any time in history, of course, living or dead, would you invite to a dinner? Uh, I would have to go um, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, and my great-great-grandfather. Okay. I, I haven't had that response before. Is there, a, a, obviously, their family, and you're close to them, but what other reasons would you offer for inviting well, three family members? Well, on my dad's, on my dad's side, uh, my grandfather passed away when I was very young, and I would have really loved to have gotten to know him. Um, and his father was passed away and his father passed away. So I guess in terms of that question, I, I never really thought I'd really care so much about having a celebrity at dinner. I mean, it'd be great to have like Leonardo da Vinci at dinner. Um, but, uh, you know, I think I would learn so much more about who I am by, uh, by having, you know, a line of, of men who, who, you know, um, who made me who I am. I reckon you've got probably one of the highest degree of self-awareness that I've spoken to. I've done well over 200 interviews at this point, but so many of your, your answers to questions that I've asked demonstrate that you're, you're very keen on discovering who you are and um, just Well, thank you. I really appreciate that because 
the first the first song I ever wrote was this song called Winter. And the first lyric I wrote for that song was the first lyric of the song was is I should know who I am by now. And I was huh. turning 30 and I just felt so unself-aware that I've sort of made it a mission of mine over the last 13 years to really figure out who I am as a person, not just as a musician. Well, you're very far along so that So thank path. you so much. I really, so that's probably the best compliment I've ever received from someone interviewing me. Well, thank you, mate. No, well, I appreciate it. You know, it's, um, as I say, I've done a lot of interviews and um, you can tell when people are engaged and when they're disengaged. And I really love having the chat with you because you can tell you're completely engaged. And beyond that, I can tell it makes me like your music even more, which is also a great benefit to talking to people because I know how seriously you take it. And it is, I'm really discovering not just your music, but I'm discovering you and the audience and the listener is discovering you as well. That's a really important part of the human experience. Yeah, that's that's the main thing. That's what I focus on. So I'm so glad uh, that that comes through. All right. Well, thanks, mate. It's been a pleasure to have a chat with you, and I'll definitely be in the audience when you play Brisbane. Oh, I can't wait to get back. And um, to, to anyone listening out there, uh, reading or listening, um, I, I'm so appreciative to, to my Australian fan base that that continues to support me and allows me to come back and play shows there because I just love being there. I would come there... <laughs> as a tourist but it's so great to get paid to play there to, to travel there rather than having to pay it's, it's amazing well we love having you here mate so please come down anytime you want thank you so much i appreciate it i'll talk to you soon you are listening to the scars and guitars podcast my name is andrew mckay smith and that was my conversation with joshua Raiden. thank you so much for listening